the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today we have got a seaworthy episode for you. That's right, we're going to the water, and we are going to be talking the uh, two very different properties, I will tell you that. <laughs> That's the only connection these two properties have. Uh, uh, first thing we're going to do is talk the 1992 film Under Siege, the Steven Seagal classic. Uh, and then to pair with that, we thought what would be perfect was the uh, late 80s show The Snorks. There you go. That mid mid to late 80s uh, snork show that uh, John and I were definitely nostalgic for. We absolutely watched mm-hmm. that when we were younger. So we thought, you know what? Let's combine these two wet and wild properties and see what we can make from them. Uh, and we are going to be doing a new casting of Under Siege using actors of today. So I'm very excited about that. So, John, 1992 is when Under Siege came out. Uh, I definitely didn't see it when it uh, came out that year, but, you know, we'll talk more about it, how we came to it, but uh, what mm-hmm. other fantastic things happened in that year? All right, so the film was released on October 9th, 1992. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week really shouldn't be a surprise. It's End of the Road by Boys to Men. Now, certainly not anytime. Yeah, anything around that is basically it's a lock for that for that song. Pretty much the entire back half of 1992 was yep. the end of the road. Yeah, by Boys to Men. Topping the Nielsen ratings uh, was Roseanne. Okay. And just the day before, on October 8th, uh, was the arcade release of Mortal Kombat. Oh, badass! Yeah. Gosh, I remember. 92, were we in Alpharetta by then, or were we still in coming? Um, I I specifically remember being seven when I started school in Alpharetta, uh, and so this was probably right, or, yeah, this this would have been it, I, I or I would have been really close, because I would have been, um, I would have started, I started second grade in Alpharetta, and this would have been the start of my second grade year. Okay, so we would have just moved then I think I think or yeah, somewhere yeah, yeah. around because like, I think we moved in the summer in between because I don't okay. remember us changing schools in the middle of the year it had exactly. to have happened in the summer I think yeah you're right yep so uh, I'm trying to because I my first thought was oh we must have I must have played this in the uh in the skating rink but the skating rink wasn't mm-hmm. coming and we would have moved by then so yeah. this would have been in wherever else I would have found yep. uh, arcade stuff uh the New York Times bestseller is a book called where is Joe Merchant a fiction book written by Jimmy Buffett Oh, okay. All right, that's cool. I didn't really look too much in it. I thought like I thought maybe it was like a an autobiography, but then I realized I was looking at the fiction list and so it was just a book he wrote. Yeah, and, I guess you know you know he can use the proceeds from the book to go buy himself a cheeseburger in paradise. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm not gonna lie, cheeseburger sounds really good right now and <laughs> I know yeah. it's only like eight in the morning, but it sounds pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, since the time we recorded this episode and are putting it out Jimmy Buffett has died, so R.I.P. Jimmy, you will be missed. And a, kind of an interesting fun fact, uh, so Upper Deck, which was the company that makes baseball cards, which I collected 
quite a bit when I was a kid. I think Adam, you did a little bit. Yeah, uh, while you're playing, I still have uh, a whole shit ton of baseball and hockey cards as well. In uh, in this year, someone who was uh, very naughty at Upper Deck put all of the baseball players with quote porn sounding names (laughs) on numbers that ended in sixty nine. So Dick Schofield was two sixty nine. Heathcliff Slocum was five sixty nine, and Dickie Thon was seven sixty nine. <laughs> Good for him. I I applaud you, Mister <laughs> Upper Deck Guy, or whatever company you said that was. Uh, and that was nineteen ninety two. All right, everybody, uh, let's uh, dip our toes into the water and let's talk under siege. Under Siege from 1992, directed by Andrew Davis. Uh, he also directed Above the Law that Steven Seagal was in. He also directed The Fugitive, Collateral Damage, and uh, the movie Holes, as well as a few other things. Uh, this movie was written by J.F. Lawton, who also wrote Pretty Woman, Blank Man, and Under Siege 2, Dark Territory, the sequel <laughs> to this film, as well as a Pam, uh, Pam Anderson show called VIP. Which I didn't know, but it had 88 episodes, so... I remember it existing, but I never watched it. Okay. Uh, the cast for this movie. Casey Ryback is played by Steven Seagal. Uh, he was in, as I mentioned before, Above the Law, Hard to Kill, Marked for Death, On Deadly Ground, Fire Down Below, and probably a lot, whole bunch of other movies that have three-word titles. <laughs> and he's also... It's come out much more recently, but, like, people have seen that his martial arts that he, like, puts on is complete mm-hmm. bullshit and like yeah, when when people like go against like masters in his art as martial art like they, they're they're really shown to be frauds it's more for show <laughs> yeah i mean so. it looks great on film it does it looks great on film so anyway, he uses it plenty in this movie all right william stranix is played by tommy lee jones and he was obviously in men in black no country for old men the fugitive tons of stuff Commander Krill is played by Gary Busey. He was in Lethal Weapon, Point Break, and the Buddy Holly story, amongst other things. And he's just, man, he's so good at playing crazy. Or maybe it's because he is crazy. Uh, <laughs> but that's it. Uh, Jordan Tate is played by Erica Alaniak. Uh, we talked about her a little bit in Baywatch, but she was also in the Beverly Hillbillies movie, and she was a legit Playboy playmate. Yep. Dahmer is played by Colomini. We talked about him before on... Uh, Con Air, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, and The Next Generation, and he was also in Far and Away. So he's a great character actor you see in a bunch of stuff. Captain Adams was played by Patrick O'Neill, who was in Dick and the Duchess and small parts in a lot of other shows. And then Admiral Bates is played by Andy Romano. He was in uh, Major League, Eraser, Hill Street Blues, other stuff as well. Uh, this film had a budget of $35 million and a box office of 156 So that is a legit success. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm not surprised that they made a sequel. Not surprised that this helped really kind of garner Steven Seagal as a legitimate action star. And this is one of the few, I think actually, it might be the only Steven Seagal movie to receive Academy Award nominations. It, it is the only one. Okay. It received, it received two, I believe. Okay. Two nominations for sound and like sound effects. Yeah, which that, that's fine. That, that, yeah. I'll, I'll allow it. <laughs> And it's also one of the only few Steven Seagal films to have a fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> it is the o- the o- the other two that that have them uh, were ones where he plays a, like a cameo part, ah, like a wow. small part, like <laughs> so not even. Like, 
This is the yeah. only proper Steven proper. Seagal film to actually okay. get a fresh rating. That's pretty sad. This movie came out after, I mean, this is what, five years after Die Hard or something like that. But this was very much in that state where all you need to do is say, Die Hard, but different. Mm-hmm. Die Hard on a boat. Die Hard on a train. Die Hard in the jungle. Die Hard whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, it, it's kind of like a, not, not exactly a carbon copy, but but pretty close to. And this is definitely one of those, you know, kind of put into that bracket. John, what do you remember under siege? Why are we talking this movie from our nostalgia? So we watched this quite a bit. I'm not entirely sure if we actually had the VHS or if it's, if it was recorded. I want to say it was recorded. Cause I, I'm actually having a, 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 a like an, almost like a photo image in my head of actual handwritten words under siege yeah. on a, on a VHS. I agree, and I think it was at Dad's house. Okay, that would that would make way more sense. I'm very certain <laughs> that we saw this movie when we were too young with Dad. <laughs> yes, uh, and I actually I showed this movie to my son. Okay, and when I when I said it to, to my wife, she's like, "Really?" I'm like, "I was at least his age when I saw it." <laughs> at least I think at probably least. younger. <laughs> now, funny enough, like this movie really actually. I mean, it, it was a box office success, but actually really took off in VHS. Mm, uh, so okay. much so that blockbusters had to constantly resupply themselves because people were ruining the videotapes by constantly rewinding and reshowing one particular scene. Yeah, okay. Okay. One spot, huh? <laughs> Which uh, may or may not have been how I ruined our copy of Doc Hollywood. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of those moments that if anybody needs to know what moments they are, go listen to uh, John talk about the uh, the moments that made him a man. Uh, oh, yeah. Movies. There we go. Yeah. We'll plug that yeah. one. Plug for uh, on, uh, your watch list on Podcasting After Dark. Podcasting After Dark. Love those guys. So, uh, yes. And, and I have the same nostalgia. I, I do feel pretty confident, yes, that we had the VHS, that this was something that dad showed us when we were mm-hmm. way too young to have seen it. Probably rip ripped off of like uh, HBO or yeah. something like that uh, one of those weekends and just God bless those free weekends <laughs> <laughs> they were so fantastic uh, so yeah and, and it's just it's one of those movies that I always remember kind of seeing and liking and watching it quite a bit when I was a kid and you know the the real thing here is it's probably I mean it's been years I actually own the DVD and I can't mm. remember the last time I've watched it but it has Same. been I I think I've had it for probably 15 years without seeing this film so when was the last time you remember watching it before this it, it's been years probably decades actually yeah okay um since i've actually seen the film so yeah it, it had been a, a while okay well let's see if steven seagal holds up after all that time that's really what we're gonna have to find out so we start off on a battleship the uss missouri it's coming to pearl harbor for an anniversary uh you know from back in the world war days and we meet Casey Ryback, he's not wearing his whites, you know, which are the formal Navy attire. We kind of see he's he's kind of a rebel. He does things his own way. Yeah. And nobody likes it that way. The captain gives him a whole bunch of leeway. We're not really sure why, but yeah. By the way, all the shots at the very, very beginning of the boat mm-hmm. are of the actual USS Missouri. Okay. But all of the actual like interiors and even some of the exterior stuff basically beyond that is all of the USS Alabama which is moored in Mobile as a museum. Okay. So it's gotcha. 
it you know they didn't use the actual Missouri other than for some of those ex- like those you know those panning exterior shots of it because yeah, yeah, it was yeah. actually still in service still at the time. The gotcha. Missouri was, but the Alabama wasn't, and it was much easier. You know that boat's not going anywhere, so it's much easier to film on it. And the uh, submarine that you see next to it was also moored in the same dock, so okay. they just used nice what was already there. Perfect, nice and easy. Uh, so well, we find out that the president apparently will be coming aboard, and you know they're all for this kind of ceremonial thing. Um, we meet the captain and Commander Krill, and just more so, Ryback doesn't get along with Krill, and Ryback doesn't get along with other people all that much, other than the captain. Uh, but the captain allows him to kind of do things his way, and you know dress how he wants, and just stay out of the way. You know, don't let the president see you not in uh, your attire and stuff like that. But we also get hints that there's more than meets the eye to Casey Ryback. Um, he had a couple, like, the captain says specifically, if I had the ribbons, you did. Uh, and then even more, you know, when Krill says, oh, he's just a cook. And and the captain responds, he's more than a good cook. Like, mm-hmm. there's something else to this guy. Yeah. But just also set up that, you know, Krill, Krill and Ryback don't get along, so we're going to get more of that. All right, uh, we get some footage of President Bush meeting with the Navy and things like that. He actually used shots of actual President Bush. Yep. I, I'm sure from a actual navy thing that he was at right probably from desert storm or something around then that would make sense that would totally makes sense which means he had to be credited in the in the film <laughs> yes <laughs> there you go uh and while uh ryback is working in the kitchen during all this we find out that the uss missouri is going to be decommissioned basically mm-hmm. uh they're going to strip it of its of its missiles and all this kind of stuff and 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 uh even has some nuclear weapons and stuff and they're going to be put elsewhere uh, we also find out that uh, Playboy Miss July 1989 will be coming on board as a birthday present because the captain's birthday is like the next day. Uh, and so they're going to have a nice birthday party for him and nice. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. He doesn't really seem like the type of captain to war to who would want a you know, playmate as a showing up as a gift. No, I don't think he seems a very kind of by the book, quiet, kind of simple dude. It does seem a bit strange that he would allow any of that. Yeah, and so. uh, this is my okay. This is gonna be my one complaint. I mean, it, it's an action movie. I get it. Yeah, my one complaint is we all know, and if if you know the movie before we get there, you all know what is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And all the people that are on this incoming chopper, who they are. Why is she the only one who is not in? A, like, why did they even bother bringing her at all? Yeah, why? Because this whole this whole then, party is planned for the moment for yes. bringing the band who's Stranix, and we're gonna get to that. All the caterers and everything. Yes, everything. Yeah, what's the point of her? That's a good call. That doesn't make any fucking sense because Krill wouldn't have cared. Like, no. or no, sorry, not Krill. Um, the 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 captain wouldn't have cared, and so why bring her on? And the yeah. thing is, they didn't they didn't use her at all, and then forgot about her. Which we'll we'll, we'll talk about that later. But like, yeah, yeah, that's, the, yeah the one that's, plot that's hole plot in this hole. whole thing is is the is the playmate everything surrounded by her yeah you honestly you can and probably should cut that character and you, you just don't need it yeah oh wow damn john <laughs> but then you cut out that amazing moment that, I, that I ruined know. so many vhs's so i know <laughs> so oh wow that you know what? yeah you definitely shot a big old plot hole right through this <laughs> thing so all right um Krill commands like roaming guards, you know, who are on watch, specifically watching nuclear weapons to kind of be elsewhere uh, for the party and things like that, which, you know, we're just kind of getting some set up. This other guy disagrees with it, but he has to comply because the commanding officer said so. Uh, In the kitchen, we see the cooking crew is having fun. They're listening to the snap song 
I've got the power as they're kind of dancing and just enjoying themselves. Uh, an officer comes in saying that dinner's being flown in instead. And Ryback kind of pushes back. You know, he's, he's the only one that cooks for the captain. And there's just tension, more tension between all this kind of stuff. So it's just shit doesn't seem right. Um, but we do get a shot here at the end of it where just Ryback's a little frustrated. He picks up a knife and throws it like perfectly at this little kind of target, this wooden target he's got up on the wall. Just again, setting up. He's yeah. there's more to him. All right. The captain talks to Krill about a helicopter planning to be on board, which the captain didn't uh, you know, agree to it. But Krill explains it's for his birthday and said that the admiral called for it to happen. And so the captain all right, ends up going with it. And OK, sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do very briefly see some of the people on uh, the helicopter, but we'll come back to him. Krill goes to the kitchen to confront Ryback. He sends everyone else out but Ryback and He's just, again, unhappy with this guy. He, there's so much tension. He ends up hawking a loogie into his booyah base. Yeah. <laughs> That's gross. Um, and right back at first, you know, he, he can be a hothead, obviously. Uh, and he lets the, the anger get to him, and he starts beating up everybody. He's actually starting, he gives a big old fucking punch, cuts the face of Krill. Yeah. And then he ends up really beating up everyone else until he just kind of calms down himself. Yeah. Then they grab him, and they're about to put him in the brig, but instead they'll put him into the meat locker because you don't have to, he doesn't have to get uh, permission from the captain to put him into the brig. So uh, they also get a, a random private to guard the door. Uh, to make sure that Ryback doesn't get out. Back on the chopper, uh, we see Stranix, and he's talking to Jordan. And Stranix, he's just like this rocker dude. You know, yeah. he must be with the band. You know, he's something like that, something cool coming in. So my my son initially was like, "Is that the guy from the Rolling Stones?" I was like, "No, no." no. <laughs> he, he's like, "Is he a real rock star?" I was like, "No, no, no. He's an he's an actor, just you're, playing you're, a rock star." Your son knows so much about me, like pop culture and media and like celebrities. He doesn't know Tommy Lee Jones. I, once I, I was like, you remember, because he saw uh, Batman Forever with me, uh, uh-huh. and I once I reminded him of, of that, then he was like, oh, okay. Okay. Then he, re- then right, he recognized cool. him. Gotcha. Not Men in Black? Is he, he not a Men in Black kid? Um, I'm pretty sure we showed him Men in Black, and I'm pretty yeah. sure he liked it. He, I think he just kind of forgot just, about Tommy Lee Jones. Sure. And he's we, got a different, you know, he's got the sunglasses on and whatnot here, so sure. Maybe it's yeah. hiding from him. So They get on the ship as the song Whiskey Fever by The Regulators plays. Some good. I do want to throw out there some good soundtrack. They actually yeah. put in some money, I think, into the soundtrack for this film. Yeah, I mean, there's. I wouldn't say there's really a bad song mm-hmm. anywhere on the soundtrack. Everything sure. worked and seemed appropriate. So yeah. Uh, so the crew are obviously immediate fans of Jordan Tate. Uh, they're all just <laughs> staring and oogling and giving her applause everywhere she goes. And Krill gives her some pills to help with her motion sickness. And so she takes a few of those. Now, this is a question. Yeah, you're right. It does make me kind of like question again, of course, what the fuck is the point of bringing her on at all? It was completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. But like, were those pills meant to knock her out so that she wouldn't be in, you know, in the thick of things? Because Krill knew what was going to be happening. Or was he actually just trying to help her because she was motion sick and then she took too many and knocked out? What the fuck? Well, here's okay, here's my thing. Like he didn't know she was. She mentioned motion sickness, and uh-huh. he gave her the pills because of it. I don't. You know, I I think it's asking too much. 
of Krill to know that she would get motion sick or anything like that. Yeah. And sure. clearly, when they showed it, her taking the pills, they showed her taking way more than they were supposed taking to. More. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that was on her. Like, okay. Tina. Here's the thing. They never bring up the cake during the party. And if it was going to happen, what were they planning on doing with it? <laughs> now, I... I can I can make the argument I've been kind of thinking about it since we've been talking. I can make the argument that uh, maybe it was a way to get the crew in and so they felt like if they if they didn't if they faked it mm. you know then there would be suspicion so they had to actually bring someone in but they at no, at no point did they ever say what, her, what their plan was going to be for her and they never really mention her again because they're so concerned with Ryback that they were like oh yeah I forgot that this chick was even here. And she's actually obviously not for the captain either because they don't even they don't even have the captain see her. They kill the captain before he even gets to see her. So right. it's like which 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 is fine because I mean the whole point was getting all of the crew or as much of the crew as they can into the let's one allow thing it for the crew. Yes, yeah, I think it was more for the crew, and and I think maybe that was sure the hook. Okay, so you can, I'll, I'll go with that. Yeah, it's a really it's really flimsy, but I think that's the only way we're going to be able to justify okay. this in our heads. <laughs> All right. Uh, Stranix is, uh, yeah, it's like the leader harmonica player for this band. They're playing at the party, and sound good. They sound fun. Um, and while uh, Ryback uh, also is trying to convince the pi- private to let him out of the meat locker and whatnot. So as the band plays, Commander Krill comes out in drag and he's dancing around and it's just obviously a big old joke kind of thing. Uh, and Krill uh, ends up going uh, with Dahmer to go get the captain. So and he's doing this in drag, mind you, after he danced in front of all. Also, Krill doesn't seem like the kind of guy. <laughs> they even kind of specifically mentioned like these two Two other officers who kind of turn to each other. Oh, I guess Krill isn't that much of an asshole. But it's like, <laughs> what was his motivation to do this? Like, because he's not like, you know, he knows what's going to be happening. Why? why I know <laughs> it also makes no sense because he, he, they, the guy up at the captain's thing would have left the left Krill in anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it, it was just a, this was literally just to I get think this, Gary Busey in in, in drag a dress. for a comedic moment. Yep. <laughs> So, all right. Uh, meanwhile, Stranix uh, asks for the highest-ranking officer in the room. So you know, you know he's he's on the band right now, and then he shoots him. This third third guy in command, he shoots him dead, and now shit's going down. And uh, uh, cr- that guy was a guy named uh, John Rodger. He was the naval technical advisor on the film, so he was actual active oh. duty Navy. Okay. This film kickstarted his stuntman career and after oh, after wow. he left the navy from here he became a stuntman, stuntman and actually became good friends with Tommy Lee Jones because of this and ended up doing a lot of stunts in his movies that's really cool that's yep. really cool uh so yeah um now shit's going down over there they're basically you know all the band and kind of caterers and whatnot have pulled guns on the crew and Creel goes up to the captain he kills him in his quarters uh, the ship's being hijacked I did like one kind of like intense moment of one of the guy, one of the crew kind of resists a little bit. So Krill kills him and then Tommy Lee and then Stranix shoots the guy next to him and basically is like. Let this be a learning experience, gentlemen. If you resist, we will kill you and the man next to you. Now move out of here in an orderly fashion. Show that he is absolutely dead serious. Yes, absolutely. 
Uh, Krill complains about the captain to Stranix about him. I do like he kind of brings up that the captain was had his own private personnel file uh, on Krill saying that, you know, he's getting more and more aggressive and he might need a psych eval. He's still in mind, Dragu. And so Krill turns to Stranix and says, Do I look like I need a psychological evaluation? Not at all. <laughs> uh, this, I think, was actually probably the best line in the movie. I thought this actually like made me giggle, for sure. And, and Jones's delivery of it is <laughs> yeah. perfect, because he's like just staring at him, just gives him a, like, a nonchalantly, like, no. no. Like, <laughs> no. Yeah. So Creel does change uh, out of his drag attire, and then they take over the bridge. And uh, then, similar enough to uh, that one nerdy character in Die Hard who comes in and is all the computer, they have this own their own separate <laughs> nerdy guy who comes in and hacks their systems and plugs in and overwrites their stuff. Oddly enough, the uh, the release of this movie caused uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance to be rewritten because the original plan of Die Hard with, uh, with a Vengeance was going to be Die Hard on a boat. A it was going to be boat. Die Hard That's on a cruise funny. ship, so they, they had to ah. switch that around. That's funny. We do just see Stranix is obviously the brains behind whatever's happening. He's mm. definitely the um, the head man in charge. So uh, the private ends up opening the meat locker because you know they're hearing gunfire and whatnot. And he says he's going to go check in with the captain. Um, and he calls for Krill, who forgot about him and, and Ryback, and and you know because they've just been down in the kitchen area, uh, and which is pisses off Stranix because they have access. They've been closing off different parts of the boat, and this you know this section still has access to everything and so they're gonna have to go they send some couple people down to go take care of them to get to relieve the private which we know is going to be kill him um and and kill ryback as well so uh, two mercies go down and they kill the private and they open the the locker to try and kill ryback blind firing everywhere basically um, but he is able to avoid it he's hidden behind and then he uh, attacks them he first locks them into the locker as he gets out, but they shoot their way out and he's able to take them out, you know, now armed with first knives and stuff like that. But now he's got some guns and stuff more to him. He's got more military stuff to him. So he also puts this weird mixture into the microwave at this moment. Huh. He is, he's, he must be um, a psychic knowing what time people are going to be in the fucking kitchen. Because <laughs> yeah. this kind of pissed me off as an adult, I will uh, say. Uh, and it, uh, it's, he, uh, he, must have put it in there also for a long time because it, it does felt- take a long time before it comes back. Because I forgot about it completely, and then it, when it came back later, when it comes back later, which will compl- like, I was like, "Fuck!" This felt like this was thirty minutes, like at right. least. <laughs> yes. So, uh, meanwhile, an F eighteen is sent towards the ship uh, to check on some things. Um, just from the military, they're checking on the helicopter, making sure that it or whatever, um, just to check on the helicopter and whatnot. Um, Ryback. Finds the captain dead. He's upset. And that F-18 that flies by, they use the ship's guns to shoot it down. So they are now basically letting, you know, the actual military outside of the ship know that they mean business. And the revolution has started as Slight Return Voodoo Child by Jimi Hendrix. It's a, that's a great usage of that song, and and the, I like I always like the entrance of it because it at first it seems like a weird time to do it, and then when the song kicks in, 
it's when it cuts to the next scene. It's mm-hmm. it's just a really nice transition, yeah. I think. I agree. I agree. I think that, honestly, the editing is fast-paced, I felt, in this movie, but in the right way. Yeah. Like for an action movie, I think the, the uh, you know, props to the editor on this one. I, I thought, or there's a couple editors that look like, but I think they did a damn good job for, particularly for the pacing. So Yeah, felt I good. agree. All right, then we're at like a, a NORAD type of place. Um, I don't think we actually get told what it is, but there's a lot of high-level uh, military and defense officers and whatnot. Um, I always assumed it was the Pentagon, but it's it's got to be one of those type places. Some place that would have a war room. Yes, exactly. Uh, and they talk about Stranix, and they he is this guy, apparently this mercenary that has been hired by this guy, Tom Breaker, who is in there, um, who's kind of like either CIA or something like that. I'm pretty sure he's, C- he's CIA. Yeah, and so he's, he's been used for some covert ops f- by Tom Breaker before, and they all know him, and Stranix calls him, and they talk, and Stranix explains the whole thing is a reta- retaliation because Tom Breaker, he did a job for him, and then to kind of shut him up, Breaker sent people to try to kill him, and so he's pissed off, and so now he's kind of retaliating from that. Uh, and we also see Stranek is acting a bit crazy. You know, he's like he's putting on a show uh, mm. to make the you know the defense people, the military people, think that he is actually a nutbag. But we can see because we see Krill and um, Dom are kind of giggling in the background on his shot. Yeah. That's my favorite part of this whole scene is those two guys who are like trying to suppress their laugh, Mm -hmm. knowing that this is a show. I mean, it is. We're going to make the allusions to uh, uh, Die Hard is very much like uh, Hans asking for the release of our our, the Asian Dawn or whatever. And they're like, what? Asian Dawn? I I read about them in Time Magazine. Magazine. (laughs) I do. I also love like Tommy Lee's uh, delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, that every time he talks to a person, he's like, oh, hi, person. Like, every time I was like, oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> yeah. No, so he, exactly. He's fucking with him because just like Die Hard, the real motivation is money on this yeah. one. So, all right. Uh, Ryback is going through the mess hall where the party was, and he sees many dead people. Um, you know, he's, he's upset. He's just kind of working his way through. He slides away this big cake, uh, which then all of a sudden... Out pops Jordan Tate, and with some music going, and we get uh, a beautiful woman who is (laughs) dancing around and takes her. She's just kind of got her eyes closed still. She hasn't seen what's going on because she's just in professional mode, I guess. And she kind of also she's probably still a little wonky from the drugs. Yep, and she takes her her kind of top off, and she yeah, they're they're they're. Luscious. I don't know another better better word for it, but she's a very attractive lady. I mean, this scene is up there with Phoebe Cates in um, Fast Times Ridgemont High as like I agree. some of the most famous, iconic topless scenes, if that makes sense. Yes. No, I, I totally get Yeah. One of the most memorable topless scenes. Anyone f- from you know our age and older or maybe a little bit younger who's seen this movie is, is definitely going to be able to cite it. As yeah. a like, oh yeah, one of the most memorable topless scenes, and it doesn't even last all that long. It's no, it's, it's very pretty short. quick. The way that they pan around her, you basically she's kind of got like a like a naval officer's jacket almost on, and mm-hmm. she's kind of playing around with it, and she kind of flashes like twice, and that's pretty mm-hmm. much it. Yeah, that is pretty much. It's pretty quick. I have always said there's always a joke that I love to say when people are like, "Oh, you remember Under Siege?" and I'm like, "Yeah." There's two reasons I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's because of this scene. 
Hey, oh, just a joke. Just a joke for you. Oh, oh. So uh, Ryback covers her up um, and he explains everything to her. He tries to get some information, but she slept through all the madness. And I do, you gotta love this back and forth where she's just confused. She's, you know, she's, she's trying to figure out who he is. So who are you? Are you, are you like some special forces guy or something? I'm just a cook. A cook? Just a lowly, lowly cook. Oh my God, we're gonna die. It's great. <laughs> it's a nice little back and forth. So at that war room, uh, they go over how many missiles and the different nuclear ones that they have, and apparently, shit, Stranix has gotten a hold of some very, some very dangerous uh, weaponry. Mm-hmm. Breaker also talks about that last year he used Stranix's team to take over a submarine uh, from a North Korean sub that they had found out happens, and they're like, okay, we think they, they destroyed the sub, but no, we actually get a shot. They didn't destroy the sub, they stole the sub, so now they have that. Um, Stranix actually calls the sub and he uses some code names. I do like this little Tommy Lee Jones is great in this movie. I don't want to say I don't want to say he's good. I think Tommy Lee Jones is great in this movie as a villain. I agree. I agree. This is a fantastic performance. Yeah. And he's just he's silly enough to make it a lot of fun. Um and he kind of has code names, you know, cartoon things. Uh he call, he's the roadrunner. Meet at the birdcage as plan, roadrunner. Out. You're the roadrunner? Yeah. Never been caught. And he's just his delivery, his his bit of humor mixed uh, mixed with when he wants to be intense and serious. Tommy Lee Jones is definitely intense and serious, but when he wants to be funny, it's he is both. So it's great. He finds out uh, then he finds out that the guys that he had sent down to the galley to that kitchen area they're missing, and so shit, I got to send more. All right, this Ryback guy must be out and about, you know, on the ship. So they're they're worried about that. Uh, Ryback tries to hide Jordan in a locker, but <laughs> she is loud as fuck. She does not <laughs> want to stay in the locker, which is... I'll be honest, I wouldn't either. No, well, but it's kind of... She's not trained. Like, it's pretty I know, but there's got to be a better place to hide her than a fucking locker. I guess, but like, I don't know if I'd want to just be with the guy who's actively going through seeking out the action. I don't know. Maybe I'm a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a baby. I'm not saying I'm against, like, I mean, it, it would make more sense to find a place for her to hide. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying I would not want to hide in a locker. Gotcha. Fair. Fair enough. So, but she's not, she wants, she doesn't want to be alone, as she puts it. So he's going to have to take her with him. All right. Stranix and Krill find, uh, and others find the, those dead guys. And so Stranix knows, uh, he's, he's like, he can tell something's more with this cook he's there's something more to him he's not just a a pro he's a pro of some type and that at that moment is when this microwave bomb uh a couple chemicals that he had kind of put together ryback had put together goes off and it ends up killing like one of them or something and i was just like are you fucking kidding me this perfect timing was too much of a coincidence there was no trigger to it it was literally just like oh okay i guess this is a thing now if he had done it as soon as he got out of the uh, the locker or the meat locker and lock those guys in. If he had done it then and timed it so that when those guys came out to look for him, uh-huh. it blowing them up was the thing that took them out. That would make sense. Absolutely. But, you know, 30 minutes later, no. <laughs> Unless he was just like trying to cause a, di- figuring it would cause a distraction mm-hmm. to get them away from him. But then at what, you know, why make it so far away? I don't know. Yeah. It makes no sense. Makes no sense, but... All right, Stranix obviously is pissed about 
all the stuff and he wants to find out more about this Ryback guy. So, uh, the war room people are going to send a SEAL team to try and take back the ship. They've got to try and stop Stranix somehow. The only other option is an airstrike that would destroy the entire USS Missouri, which they would do, but they're hesitant because it would mean killing all of the crew that are on there and a billion plus dollar warship as well. So Mm -hmm. I assume it's a billion dollars. It's, I don't know. A shit ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Krill finds out. He gets, uh, he finds uh, the crew information on Ryback, which was in the, um, the captain's private areas uh, and in the, the captain's private files, because private areas sounds gross. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Ryback is an ex seal. uh, So they know he is a legitimate threat. He's very decorated and he is, uh, he's someone to, you know, to be worried about. So I want to mention something real quick. Cause there's something that happens at the end that I'm also going to reference this. Um, so when they, they talked about like who he is, that he was a seal um, and that uh, they did a mission in Panama uh, mm-hmm. where he was the only person to survive. And they specifically said they, their, their team got bad Intel and everyone died except for him. Mm-hmm. That's going to come back later, but we don't know it. Oh, okay. I'll explain why when we get to the next part of the cool yeah, that part they, of the movie. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to know more about it. We just know he must have he must have well he must have gone against some orders, or he definitely killed some people, or got a, maybe a little in a well, little bit too nuts. But we'll find we'll figure that out. He, what they say is that he uh, that you know this mission that they were on failed. He was the only one that lived, and he was so mad about it that he punched out his ah, commanding officer. That and that got him the court martial, which is how he ended up as a cook. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's what they say. So, all right. Uh, we get some fun pairing of Jordan and Ryback, basically, because, you know, fish out of water for her, obviously, where she's unprepared and she doesn't want to kill people. She, she, she can't handle this kind of situation. But uh, he stealthily kills some of the mercenaries, um, one of them with a judo chop to the neck, which I thought was funny <laughs> to see. Uh, and then he ends up making like this satellite call to NORAD or the, the war room. Um, and Ryback gives them a little bit of the info that Krill is with them. Some of the other people, though, are skeptical about Ryback. Like maybe he's with the bad guys. It's hard to trust him. And so um, it's kind of a little bit. There's tension across even the war room now because some people trust him immediately. Like there's one of like the officers who immediately trusts him and knows Ryback, where the others aren't sure, including Tom Breaker, who's like, all right, you know what? We'll find out later. He says like, oh, we'll just blame everything on him kind of stuff so all right um we find out the plan for the strandex and the mercenaries they're going to sell these missions missiles these nuclear missiles they're going to sell them to other people so it is all about money uh and some of the mercenaries end up seeing ryback uh who successfully blows up this helicopter that he you know he got to the helicopter he blew that up which was possibly a means of escape for the bad guys jordan gets found but Ryback is able to take down like four guys who grabbed her like right, right immediately. So he just, again, showing his skills. He's a badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Krill makes a new plan. He's going to set off the sprinkler system where the, uh, all the crew are being held to drown them basically. And so Ryback will have to go and take and, uh, try to save them, but he'll either get killed on the way or drown in the process. So, uh, Ryback hears a Morse code message from inside this room where some people have been locked up and he's able to open it up and get them out of there. And so now he's got a little crew with him. They're going to team up and they're going to, they're going to all help together on this. So Krill 
calls, you know, does like an intercom system on the entire ship and shows him a picture, shows them video of the other guys who are uh, the crew who are like about to drown and they're, you know, getting all that stuff that they're in danger. Uh, So Ryback and these guys are going to have to fight their way towards the drowning crew. And while they're doing that, meanwhile, Jordan gets a call from Norad or from that call. She has to answer it. And it's it's just some more little humor thrown in. Um, But, you know, she has Ryback talk to them as well as they're fighting their way and all this kind of stuff. So and so they basically the Norad people, uh, the admiral, you know, just kind of has to give in to Ryback says, all right, if I can't control you because I told you to uh, to kind of sit back and not do and just kind of give us recon. If I can't control you, might as well support you. So. They're just going to kind of let him go wild. So as Ryback kills his way through multiple mercs, uh, Jordan joins him. Um, just kind of she's staying with him because as opposed to this other crew, uh, because she knows that the safest place on the on the boat is next to him, as the way she puts it. So uh, with a knife, Ryback takes down some of these welding crew. He fucks them up good. Uh, and then on the bridge, Stranix and Mercs kind of lose control of the guns. Apparently some of uh, these other guys that were helping Ryback have kind of taken back over the computer system. And so now shit, they've got a, they're, they're kind of causing havoc for, for Stranix and those and the Mercs. So meanwhile, the seal team is going to make their way in, but Oh shit. That's where we cut back to the submarine, which now some of the guys on the top of the sub have rocket launchers and they shoot down the seal team and kill them. So fuck, there's no other choice than the air assault for NORAD. Ryback and Jordan uh, work on a missile. He's got some explosive knowledge, and so he's kind of pulls out, you know, explosive stuff from that, and he gets down into the water, but he's seen by uh, Dahmer and his crew who are, like, shooting at him, and then one people throwing hooks down to try and grab him. They even kind of injure him up a bit, scratch him hard, and get some of his wetsuit ripped off. Um, but he's able to get away, but and he uses this bomb to fuck up the submarine, uh, so they can't submerge and get away right now, but he did get injured. And Dahmer, though, finds him. He sees him, who's kind of injured against like a gate. And Dahmer's right there, ready to shoot him. And I'm like, why the fuck are you talking to him? Just shoot him right this fucking second. <laughs> and then you do hear shots fired. It's Jordan behind him. Jordan uh, saves his life and saves Ryback's life because she killed somebody. So the moral of this entire movie is that killing is good. (laughs) Killing is good. Because she doesn't want to do it, and then she does it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, We we see that evil nerdy guy is able to gain control back of the computer system. So, all right, things are back on for them. Uh, And... Ryback uh, works with this older Navy guy who is apparently a World War II vet to help them use some manual old school guns because those are the only ones that I guess the weapon system don't. It was do. the only ones that they still had shells for. They had shells for. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they have to manually work on those and they're going to try to shoot down that submarine, uh, which they sh- first fire some other stuff uh, and then they're able to fire some real stuff, uh, some some of these real shells for, and it's all kind of a fun kind of teamwork moment for Ryback and, like, those guys that he saved, and uh, they're able to hit the sub with the second shot, and it blows up, which Krill was on the submarine, so we know that Krill is dead. Yay, he got Yay. one of the main bosses. <laughs> all right, Stranix seems to have uh, gotten a little insane for real now, uh, <laughs> which I actually kind of like. He's You kind of see his descent into madness, which I like. Yeah. And so he sends off some actual tomahawks to 
Honolulu. He's going to blow up and show them that he means fucking business. He's going to blow up Honolulu. I do like his little lines here. This little piggy went to market. This little piggy staying home. And this little piggy. Oh, mama. Oh, mama. Oh, mama. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> just good great great delivery from Tommy Lee Jones I, I yeah. really like him in this movie so yeah but yeah these are nuclear two nuclear missiles are going to be heading towards Honolulu so we see uh, Breaker again just being an asshole kind of talking about how he's going to blame the cook on everything in case Honolulu blows up and Ryback and the team they fight their way through more guys uh, as they're fighting this one one of these Ryback is he rips the throat out of one of these mercenaries. This is one of this one of the kills I kind of particularly remembered. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of gross, but it's funny. Uh and he gets uh he gets to the missile control room, but Stranix gets the drop on Ryback. So Stranix again, just like another Dahmer moment, has the time and the ability to fucking shoot him, but instead he talks to him and he kind of like explains, oh, this is, you've caused so much trouble for me and all this kind of shit. And I'm just like, they also some weird thing where they apparently know each other. And they, there's like just this, these couple like lines like, oh, you haven't seen me in a long time, have you, Ryback? And he's like, yeah, good to see you again. Yeah, what yeah, the okay. fuck was that? So here's the thing. This is where the connection comes in. So there was a scene in the script that was never shot which basically, I believe, shows that Stranix was the CIA operative that... The bad intel? That gave the intel to his SEAL team that like uh-huh. prepped the team that ended up in their demise. I would have liked and that. And so that's where, that's where the connection would have been, is that Stranix was actually the one who gave them the bad intel. I don't... You know, whether or not it was on purpose is irrelevant, but uh, yeah, that... That is what it was never shot. It wasn't like it was basically just cut from the script, so it was never okay. talked about. So they never or anything like that. But like that does make the connection a little bit better. It does. I would have just cut those lines so if you could have somehow, right? Because them having this connection, I didn't need. I didn't like it. And actually, because when I did my casting, I'll I would I'll probably even say like I don't need that because I actually kind of have a little age gap between my. Uh, my Ryback and my Stranix, mm-hmm. but it's not that bad. But still, it's just like I don't know. It felt it, that felt again weird and coincidental to me that they happen to know each other, right? So, but okay, that that does help. Thank you for that explanation. So, during this conversation, Ryback's able to kick the gun from Stranix's hand, and they have a knife fight. And I always remembered this knife fight. It seems they're just like it's almost like they're flailing their arms, <laughs> <laughs> and they're not actually doing anything. But you get like kind of some funny, yeah. sound design of like the cl- the cling cling of like the knives going together. Of course, in a knife fight, Ryback is going to have the advantage, uh, and what he ends up uh, at one point digging his thumb into Stranix's eye and then stabbing him in the fucking head and uh, shoving his head into a, a computer console. I do like that uh, Ryback is not afraid to fight dirty. Yeah, very true. I, I'm, you know, I mean, that's a little bit more realistic, I think. Agreed. So, all right. So, an air assault uh, from Honolulu area or whatnot is able to shoot down one of the nuclear missiles, but uh, the other one is still going. And Ryback talks to Norad, and they give him some codes. 
and they are able to make it self-destruct just in time before it blows up Honolulu. And then the air assault that was going to blow up the Missouri is called off. The day is saved. They get out the rest of that crew who has been trapped, you know, in the water and whatnot. And it's all celebration. And some random guy says, hey, Case, show me a move. Here's one move. And then he kisses Jordan Tate. And I'm just <laughs> triumphant music playing. I'm like, I didn't need that. That was fucking stupid. <laughs> that was really fucking stupid. And then we cut back. And honestly, that would have been the proper way to end the film, I thought. But then we cut back and it's a funeral for like the captain and the crew who died. And here we see Ryback is actually dressed in his formals. And so maybe it's just one little scene of, okay, Ryback is actually, you know, he was willing to dress up for the captain that he respected. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But that's it. And then we get the end credits. Yeah. And that's the end of Under Siege. John, you said you son, your son saw it. I'm very curious. I, you know, I, I don't even want to mention my stuff yet. I really want to know, how did you think of this film after watching it from decades ago and showing it to your son, who is he's, he's a teenager? You know, he's definitely right. old enough to have seen, you know, some of these types of movies. Yeah. John is a good father. I guarantee you people. <laughs> Uh, I had a lot of fun actually rewatching it. I, I, a lot of this stuff came back to me as if I'd just seen it, you know, a year before or whatever. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, there's cheesy moments. Yeah, there's shit that doesn't make sense, but it's fun. There's a lot of fun things. And you know what? There's some good acting in here. I mean, we've already mentioned how many times we love Tommy Lee Jones. Gary Busey plays a crazy guy pretty well. I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. lie. Um, you know what? Even I didn't mind Seagal's acting so much. I mean, some of his delivery was a little flat, but I don't I don't know what he did in this film to make it seem to stand out other than other ones. I don't know. I think I think this is a case of 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 him being surrounded by very talented actors and it helping the situation, as it were. Um I asked my son, and by the way, I prepped my son before the scene. Uh-huh. And let him know what I, I flat out told him. I was like, "This is what you're going to see. This is what's going to happen." And he said, "Okay." And you know, did his eyes get big? Not make it a big deal. I, I'm I'm sure he tried not to make a deal. Here's the thing: like he lives in an era where it is very easy to find anything on your phone. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's kind of it's to me it's like hard to figure out whether he was abreast or not. <laughs> He's probably seen much more, like you know, on the internet, even just right. by accidentally stumbling across it, like. Us, though, we couldn't find this stuff. This right. was like, That's the oh, point. my God. <laughs> That's the point. Also, we live in Las Vegas, and it is not hard to find <laughs> advertisements that, while they are not fully nude, they are very close. They have, they have like, a tiny little stars on the nips, and that's it. Like, you know, or, yeah. or like, little things hiding just the nipples. Yeah. You see everything else. Yeah, and while most of that is concentrated on the strip, we do have to go down to the strip from time to time if we want to see certain shows or stuff like that. It's, it's inevitable that they're going to see things. <laughs> like that yeah based on where we live um but he said he really enjoyed it so i think i think he had a lot of fun it was just a fun action film yeah i really i I had a lot of fun yeah i feel the exact same way you did this has to be steven seagal's best film Uh, it's definitely the best film that i've seen of steven seagal i haven't seen a whole bunch you know i've seen a few uh but this is without question and i do think that is in large part also to this supporting cast Gary Busey and Tommy Lee Jones are solid, and the latter, Tommy Lee Jones, I think is is actually a really strong performance. But all of them, both of them, kind of believable is crazy. It's dumb, fun, popcorn action flick, and it does it right. It does it well. It's not as good as like a Die Hard or a Predator or some of the other top tier action movies, but this is a good one. 
This yeah. is not a great movie, but this is a damn enjoyable movie. So yeah, I am 100, 100% with you. I could pop this on most times and just be like, you know what? I, I'm not going to let it go 15 years before I see it again. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was definitely a fun film. All right, now we're going to do something just as hardcore and intense, <laughs> and we're going to talk the 1984 to 1989 cartoon series, The Snorks. It ran four seasons, 65 episodes on NBC and syndication. Uh, so <laughs> very different. <laughs> the Snorks uh, are very, you know, Gentile. Uh, you know, there's not they're not really quite as intense as uh, Steven Seagal. But yeah, there was a Snorks comic book uh, that was created by an artist named Nick Broca. Uh, rights for the Snorks were eventually purchased by a guy named Freddy Monikendam. Monikendam. Probably butchered that. Uh, who previously worked on the Smurfs, but due to legal disputes, lost the rights to the Smurfs. And so he wanted to create a show that could rival them. Uh, so he wanted to create some competition. The Snorks, just like the Smurfs were produced by Hanna-Barbera, who also did things like Scooby-Doo, Flintstones, Jetsons, Yogi Bear, a bajillion shows from our childhood. Uh, the cast for this show, All-Star Seaworthy, was played was voiced by Michael Bell. Uh, you would know him from other cartoons from the 80s, like G.I. Joe, Transformers. He also did voices on the Rugrats. Uh, tons of video games I saw, like literally a ton of video games. Casey Kelp was voiced by B.J. Ward. Uh, she was also in G.I. Joe. She did a voice in Vol Voltron Velma on multiple Scooby-Doo projects as well. Daphne Gilfin was voiced by Nancy Cartwright, who is, of course, Bart Simpson. Uh, I think Chucky Finster also in uh, Rugrats. She was a, a voice in Kim Possible and a voice in The Critic as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Junior was voiced by Barry Gordon, who was in uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I think he was Donatello from the I 80s show. I think you're right. And he was also in SWAT Cats and lots of other stuff. Uh, Tudor Shelby and Aki, uh, for an octopus, uh, was voiced by the great Frank Welker. Of course, hey. you're going to have him. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you all the credits on Frank Welker because you just need to go back and re-listen to our top 10 Frank Welker characters episode so go check that one out corky is voiced by rob paulson another acting great uh he was also on teenage mutant ninja turtles uh he was an animaniacs maybe did he do donatello i, I can't remember which one, one of them uh, rob paulson who did rob paulson do no rob paulson was originally Raphael. Raphael, thank you thank yeah. you uh obviously of course barry gordon was i confirmed barry gordon was donatello okay cool rob paulson also in Animaniacs, Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, and a million things. A million mm -hmm. things. Yep. Uh, Demi Finster was voiced by Brian Cummings, uh, who did voice on the Beauty and the Beast film, the Fern Gully film, Hunchback of Notre Dame. So a bunch of stuff from him. And of course, tons of amazing voice actors kind of led their, their voices to smaller roles. Uh, Rene Abergenois. There you uh, go. We talked about him in uh, Deep Space Nine. Yep. Peter Cullen, Jim Cummings, Alan Oppenheimer, Rip Taylor, P uh, Townsend Coleman, and Edie McClurg all had uh, voices on this show as well. He's a righteous dude. Righteous dude. So, all right. So the Snorks are oh, a... Oh, sorry. There's another Ninja Turtle in this. I saw oh. his name and I was like, why do I know his name? Cam Clark, who was Leonardo in the Ninja Turtle series, was also regular on Snorks. Okay, cool. All right. So, yeah. 
a lot of a lot of uh, back and forth, or so so a lot of similar roles. Uh, so the Snorks are a race of small, colorful, anthropomorphic sea creatures that live happily in the undersea world of Snorkland. Uh, they have snorkels on their heads, which are used to propel them swiftly through the air, or sometimes they like use them for like sound or some stuff like that, whatever. Um, and the show is just seriously about different episodic adventures and storylines that they have other random stuff. Each episode is kind of different. I remember us watching this show when we were kids. Yeah. Like, this, this one ran a lot in tandem with like Smurfs, yes. I think. And so we would, we would probably watch a lot of stuff back to back. Um, even when I got, I mean, you also got to remember like back then the number of, cartoons we had was limited and also we couldn't just watch whatever we wanted whenever we wanted so like even when i got probably older than it was then was targeted for like snorks mm-hmm. and smurfs i would end up watching it partially yeah. because you and abby were younger yes also we it was either this or watch the news or some other <laughs> show we didn't want to watch no. so but yeah. i'd rather watch the cartoon than whatever that was so you, you just ended up watching it Definitely. And the show had a lot of similarities like with the Smurfs. And, and I also kind of put it up for like Muppet Babies. You know, it was mm-hmm. similar as those. You know, they were for like the slightly younger kids, but we ended up watching them kind of in blocks or we, you know, we saw them pretty often. So yeah. one thing I do absolutely remember is the theme song, but there were apparently three different theme songs for this show. Oh, wow. So in season one, in the U.S., they had a song called Let's Snork a Happy Song. Snork along. It's a snork thing. Celebration. Snork along. Let's snork a happy song. Snork along. Let's snork a happy song. I don't remember that one at all. I don't remember that, yeah. Yep. Uh, and then in season two, they had a different song. Uh, that was called Were the Snorks. Which is also a song I don't remember at all. I kind I I'm trying to think if that's the one I remember or not. Uh, okay. We'll hear the third one and maybe we'll see. So for seasons three and four, this is the one that I remember, and I think this was also the one used in syndication. It just became right. the theme song in syndication stuff. Come along with the snorks. Swim along with the snorks. So much to see waiting for you and me. Have some fun with the snorks. Yeah, that is definitely the one I remember. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. But I just, I got, when I was looking through, I hadn't, I was surprised that there were other theme songs because I only know that one. So, but they're all actually pretty good. I'm not going to lie. All three of them have their qualities. Yeah, they're fine. Qualities. Yeah. So, um, music for this show was done by Hoyt Curtin. Uh, I think he worked on one of the intros as well, but he did the music for the show. And he was the composer of many of Hanna-Barbera's popular cartoon theme songs including the Flintstones, Top Cat, Jetsons, Johnny Quest, Super Friends, Josie and the Pussycats, and the Smurfs theme song. La, 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 la. Um, so classic theme song stuff he's done. All right, I'm going to go over <laughs> the, the the backstory. There's lore with the Snorks, John, oh, and it doesn't make any fucking sense. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's kind of weird. So they had this is this is a, according actually to I think season one, um, the intro at the very beginning of the intro that kind of speaks about all this kind of stuff. So. In 1643, a ship was overtaken by pirates and began to capsize. Though the captain managed to save himself from drowning by finding an air pocket, as he struggled to stay afloat, he took notice of a tiny sea kingdom in the water that appeared filled with humanoids, but with odd features, including a snorkel protruding from their heads. When he got back to dry land, he implored people to believe his story. The Snorks, in turn, told their descendants about the giant that they had once encountered. So some random ship guy like almost drowned and saw some Snorks in, in the 1600s, and that's weird. <laughs> Who needs that? I watched a single episode, and I didn't think there was any more to need to watch. I did the exact same thing. Because it's a show for younger kids. It's not for 37, 40-plus-year-old people. It's not going to hold our attention span. It is very similar to the Smurfs, I will say. I'll go into my kind of... I'm going to move into my final comments. Um, sure. If there's anything else you want to add, please feel free. But it, it it is very similar to those other shows, to the Smurfs, to like Muppet Babies, like one-off little episodes, very episodic, little bit by little bit. It is completely innocuous. Like there is nothing harmful, nothing crazy with this show, but it also lacks anything special. Right. It's completely fine i i would i let a kid watch this so absolutely i think it's cute enough and it's you know got a good enough voice acting it's just not nothing's blowing me away with the show uh anymore but it was cute for its time it's just it's it's not in the zeitgeist like smurfs is and i understand why because it's a ripoff and you can tell it's a ripoff mm-hmm. but it's fine it's completely okay show i really don't have too much more to add about it that's how i felt when I kind of rewatched this one thing. I was like, eh, it's fine. And in fact, after a while, I kind of found myself drifting off. And then I realized later, because I watched uh, like a, it wasn't even like the whole episode. It was like two thirds of an episode on like YouTube. It I had already finished it and had gone into an episode of Smurfs and I hadn't noticed the change. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so I was like, okay, it's fine. It's for little kids. It works. It worked well for us when we were very when we were little. It probably would work well for much little kids. I think the intended audience in the eighties, X would probably be too old with what they have now. Sure. It would probably need to go even even younger. But it's fine, as you said. It's very innocuous. There's nothing wrong with it. There's just nothing that is like you know special or gripping. Sure. So. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by. Do it all in a splash. One. Do it all in a splash. One. Hey, mom, it's time to relax. One. Hey, dad, it's time for the blast. Wetter than wet, wilder than wild, cooler than cool. Smile after smile. Get unbelievable whitewater savings at all metro area cup food stores. Do it all in a splash. All right. And now the part you have all been waiting for. Uh, we are going to recast Under Siege using actors of today. I'm kind of surprised that this hasn't been rebooted. 
I feel like in in a world with some other stuff that that they have, like RoboCop, I don't know, it doesn't need to be rebooted right. and Total Recall, but Under Siege, I think could use one. Even though I did, we both liked it. I do see this could be one that gets rebooted. All right, damn you, Corey, for putting that in my brother's head and making him <laughs> say that that way. Uh, apparently, there was talk of a reboot around 2015, uh, uh, but it never it never finalized. So okay, ne- never got into it. So uh, yeah, there has there has actually been talk, but. Uh, okay, so the characters we're going to do, we're going to do Casey Ryback, uh, William Stranix, Commander Krill, Jordan Tate, Dahmer, and then I wanted to add more than just those, and there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of smaller characters, but I figured ones that got a lot of screen time were both Tom Breaker and Admiral Bates, and so I felt like those were probably the ones that maybe we needed to put some faces in. Sure. Um, some bigger name actors. To throw you, you know, it just parts. came to me because I have a little paring knife next to me. I don't know why. Um, well, because I had an apple with peanut butter and I was cutting up the apple. Okay. This is this is probably the first time I've ever seen, um, as opposed to like a knife as a weapon, holding it like you kind of normally hold a knife. Right. They held it backwards, like, and that's how they attacked. And that was the first time I've ever, I think I remember ever seeing that. And it kind of blew my mind. Yeah, and I've seen guys who are quote unquote knife fight experts, and they're all like, "That's stupid! Don't ever hold a knife like that. Hold it <laughs> normal. You're you're that is a great way to get your hand stabbed. Okay, <laughs> okay. holding it like that. Yeah, you're kind of leading with your hand a little bit. Yeah, exactly. As, yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, okay, so we'll start with Admiral Bates. Adam, who did you pick to be the new admiral? So uh, you gotta have gravitas with an admiral. Um, someone uh, who immediately you just see him or you hear him or both. And you're like, yeah, you can be the leader of a huge military army. Um, This guy has that kind of presence. He has a very distinct voice. And I'm curious if that would get a little too distracting. I hope not. But I absolutely could see him leading a group of military people. He's probably done it on some shows um, and some movies. I went with Dennis Haysbert as my Admiral Bates. Okay. What's his name? All state guy. Yeah, no, I, I was thinking of his ro- his role on Major League. <laughs> oh, Pedro or Pe- uh, um, Serrano? Isn't that Pe- Serrano? Yeah, Serrano. Pedro Serrano. Serrano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, absolutely. I'm sure. I I know he's played military people. I don't yes. know if he's played an admiral before, but he had, definitely has that distinct voice. Um, he's got the age now for yeah. to be believable as an admirable. Ad- admirable <laughs> as an admiral. <laughs> admirable admiral. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah, I totally see it. That's that's a great choice. Um, I went with an actor very much in the same vein. I wanted gravitas. I wanted uh, the voice, and I went with somebody who's probably played military officials more times than I can count with my shoes on. But fuck it, I want to have him in my movie. I went with Keith David. Yeah, I, I was looking at him, of course, too, because they're both they're both guys who have like great voices. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love that call. Uh, all right, Tom Breaker. I'll go ahead and start mine. I kind of I looked at this guy and I'm like, ah, oh, he kind of reminds me in look of this other actor. And even though most of the things I've seen this other actor do are more comedic, he's a fine actor, and I can see him doing stuff. I mean, he's uh, now uh, not that I'm going to hold this against him, but uh, he, apparently he has a reoccurring, fairly reoccurring role on NCIS, which is a little bit more serious. So I know he's he's got the gravitas to do that. Um, I think I've used him once before uh, in the past, but uh, he I can totally see him playing kind of a sleazy CIA type. I went with Gary Cole. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've actually been watching um, a lot of Veep recently, and he's good in that. Uh, but we, most people, I think, know him from Office Space. but um, Or Dodgeball. 
Or dodgeball, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I think he can be a kind of a, a sleazy CAA kind of dude for sure. Like a douche. You got to have douchey quality with Tom Breaker, I think. Yeah, I agree. Yep. So who did you pick? Um, I went with a guy who rhymes with uh, Gary Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that matters. But he's also played kind of douchey guys before. Um, please don't think about his role in Quantumania because that was garbage but in the first ant-man movie he played yellow jacket and i think he had a very douchey kind of quality to him i went with Corey stoll okay i could i could totally see i mean he played a sleazy guy in the first ant-man movie i could totally yes. see that move over to a, that, and that's that, that's the, the obvious the vibe i was yeah. feeling no i totally i totally see that okay i totally see that no problems with that yeah no modok though <laughs> fucking god damn it <laughs> I, I i'm not gonna lie I was never a fan of putting Modoc in the MCU. It's impossible. How can you do that without it being a joke? It, that's the that's the problem. Like, yes, there are these classic comic book characters. Yes, they're funny or they're good. Some of them just need to stay in the comics. If you're building the cinematic world, it needs to be based on a little bit of realism. Yeah, so that's why some of these characters they're deciding to to put and and I love like I love the MCU and I I still love some of the stuff they've done post Endgame. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people didn't love Miss um, Marvel. I actually really enjoyed Miss Marvel, and I liked the character, and I liked the actress who played her. Sure. And I, 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 to me, what they did with her powers actually made more sense than if they tried mm. to do what they did in the comics. Yeah. But, there's, you know, I keep hearing, like, oh, they're going to bring this character or this character in. I'm like, why? It yeah. doesn't make sense in this world. Don't just bring in a character to have the character. It needs to make sense in this world. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, let's move on before I get into it even more. Uh, Dahmer. Who did you pick to be your Dahmer? Sure. Uh, so Dahmer is kind of the muscle, uh, or one of the muscles, a main muscle for um, for Stranix. And uh, I wanted to change up a little bit. I wanted to bring uh, some kind of a intimidating female presence. Um, I originally thought maybe Ronda Rousey, but honestly, she's just not a strong actress, in my opinion. So I went with a strong actress who I know one of us or maybe Corey used her recently, but I don't care. She is someone who I still think, you know, you could have some really good fight scenes with uh, mm-hmm. with my Ryback. Actually, I want uh, to have that good one because she's a believable badass. I went with Gina Carano as my Dahmer. Okay, that to- that makes total sense. She's a great side henchman, yep. um, but also an intimidating fighter presence. Yep. That makes total sense. I I stuck with the Irish theme. Okay. I liked having uh, that kind of, you know, that worldly sound. So the actor I picked, he is a little bit older. Not that that really is going to make... The age of some of these guys I don't think makes as much of a difference. He's a yeah. mercenary. Um, but he's done enough action stuff, and and he could just could just be in a little bit of an older... One, I don't think I don't think he's too old for some action. Most of what Dahmer uses is guns anyway, so it's fine. But I think he's a fantastic actor, and I absolutely loved his character in Game of Thrones. I went with Liam, Liam Cunningham. Oh yeah, yeah. I know you used him. A, um, I've used him a uh, few times before recently. Yeah, but he is he is great. He is awesome. He is someone I definitely want to see in more and more stuff. It'd be interesting to see him as a bad guy. Yeah, because he's such a sweet dude in Game of Thrones. I'd like to see, yeah, that kind of role. So I'm cool. All right, cool. There's he's in a uh, he's in a movie that is has come out or is coming out. I think the Last Voyage of the Demeter, which is supposed to be like a vampire thing. Which when I first saw the trailer for it, I was like, it looks cool. And then they actually showed what the vampire looks like, and I'm like, no, this is gonna be fucking stupid. (laughs) It it looks like it looks like a man bat is what it looks like. Oh, and I'm like, uh, there's nothing. 
eerie about that. It's a fucking monster movie. So although my mm-hmm. son was like, "Oh, we should go watch that," and I'm like, "Grumble, grumble." <laughs> Fine. I don't want to discourage him from going to see new movies, and I I, yeah. I, I enjoy the theater experience when he like we we haven't we have yet to go see Blue Beetle. It just came out, um, but yeah. both of us want to go see it, so we're gonna go see yeah. it together in the theater. Nice. Um. Anyway, okay, yeah, that was my choice. Um. Okay. okay. Probably the most important question. <laughs> <laughs> the next is gonna be the next one, Jordan Tate. I, I, despite the fact that it is kind of cheesy, I rather like the dynamic between mm-hmm. Jordan Tate and Ryback. Him having to break and and even though it happens over a very short amount of time, her journey of being this what is kind of like a helpless girl to kind of holding her own mm-hmm. a little bit. She doesn't rely entirely on Ryback by the end. You know, they show her in scenes of, of loading the gun for the Navy guy. Yeah. Um, he's like, I don't know what to do, which is stupid, as I'm pretty sure all of them have to go through basic training. <laughs> also, there's, not, there's nothing entirely unintuitive about shoving a magazine into a, into a gun. but Or a clip. <laughs> Except that's not a clip. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> uh, so I, this one, actually, I went through several choices before I settled on one, and I decided to go with kind of a relative unknown. Um, she does have some acting experience, mostly in what looks like some independent B movies. I'm not sure acting needs to be her strong suit in this part, or you know, I actually watched uh, a couple of reels of hers, and she's not horrible. Mm-hmm. But uh, like uh, Erica, whose last name I can never remember how to pronounce, yeah. sh- this actress also was a playmate of the month. Oh. Uh, this one back in November of 2016. Her name is Ashley. Smith. It's a very standard name. Yes, yes, it is. She's the one with a gap in her teeth. Yes, she is. She is the one. With okay, a gap thank in you. Her teeth. That's. I was just want to make sure because there's like a shit ton of Ashley Smiths. Yes. I mean, she's very attractive. Yeah, I mean, she has that very same sort of blonde. Um, yeah. Look, but she has been doing some acting over the last few years. She, I think she's she's going to need some coaching, but she's mm-hmm. also a gorgeous woman and yeah. and has probably that kind of experience so I think this is the kind of role that maybe could help her take off in her acting career you never know maybe okay now she right. was Miss November yep that's my month yes yes it is alright <laughs> <laughs> right, who did you pick alright uh, I went with a, a little bit more of an established actress I'm gonna flat out say I am changing the role a little bit Okay. It is it, it, you know we're here here in 2023. Uh, we're 30 plus years after when this movie was made, and and there's a lot of it's a different society where I I don't want to necessarily just just have the damsel in distress kind of person. But you're right though because Jordan does go through a bit of a journey, which is important, and I want to have that same kind of journey, but I want to make her a little bit less helpless at the start. Okay. Not in a fighting sense. Here's where I'm picked. What I'm picturing, my Jordan Tate. Is maybe maybe not a playmate, but at least going to be like a stripper, okay, um, something like that. And she is stripping or doing nude modeling or whatever to put herself through medical school. So she has medical training, okay. and that's what she's going to bring uh, to an extent where she helps. She can help Ryback. As, you know, a little bit more of an equal by knowing, you know, she can heal some of the people. She can kind of help fix him with some of his injuries. I like that. Um, She also, because she is a healer, she doesn't like killing people. And so it's going to make, I think, maybe make that 
put a little bit more emphasis on I don't kill people until when she has to because killing is good. That's one thing we learned in Under Siege. Um, so she's going to have to to save him. I'm, like, I'm going to throw this out to her too, or throw this out here too. Maybe she doesn't actually kill anyone. Maybe when they have the scene, maybe she just knocks him over the head, knocks him out, and she her yeah. line is like, "I told you, I don't kill anyone." Some- we could change it exactly. Yeah. Just make her just something different. Um, but yeah, so that's how I'm gonna try and you know she's maybe a little bit more intelligent and she's doing like the modeling for that. Sure. I went with an incredibly attractive actress uh, who, yeah, uh, she has done a little bit of nudity, and so I kind of felt like yeah, that's still part of it. I don't know. It's it's weird that I felt nudity had to be part of this. Well, like so I had actually had another actress that I had actually picked before I changed it to this, and my initial thought was I don't know that she would do the nudity. Maybe she doesn't have to. Maybe it's just a bikini. Yeah. Maybe it's Maybe just it's just a bikini. Yeah. So Who go knows? ahead. But incredibly attractive actress, um, and she's done some kind of actiony stuff before. I don't think her action has been all that intense, but she has been in a couple of the Fast and Furious films as well as Game of Thrones, but she was more advisor role and not really action role. I went with Nathalie Emmanuel as my new Jordan Tate. Okay, yeah, I like her. Yeah, I totally yeah. see that. I, I like and I like the change. Okay, uh, yeah, because she does. There is that scene where she she has to like heal up uh, Ryback after he gets hooked with the guy after she yes. kills the guy. She so that would make him. sense for her to be like she actually knows what she's doing right there. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, okay, just give, her, just give her a little bit more depth. Sure, you know. Uh, all right, Commander Krill. I'm really interested to see who you picked for Krill. <laughs> sure, uh, doing a one to one to Gary Busey is really fucking hard. Yeah, I should have gone. Why the fuck didn't I just do the uh, Jake Busey? Or yeah, isn't that his oh son's Jake name? Busey? Yeah, yeah. But no, I I, I went with him one of this a little bit bigger name. Because Gary Busey was a pretty good villain and, and yeah. name at this point. I'm with a guy who has played crazy before, at least played weird and emo before. He's also played military before. But he's a damn good actor, and I think he could be fun on this kind of villain crazy role. I'd like to see what he would do with it. I want Jake Gyllenhaal as my Commander Krill. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's not a bad. That's not a bad call. Not bad. It's, it's, I know it's not an inspired great call, but no, no, I no. think it, it, it's it fits. A, it's a good call. It's okay. absolutely a good call. He is a good actor, um, and I, you know what, I could see he's he's I think silly enough as a person that I could see him like wanting to play kind of a kooky role like this. Sure. Can I say my boy? My first thought was Jared Leto because he's already done drag. Uh, in in this. <laughs> I think he would either take it not serious enough or yeah. too serious. Or too serious, yeah. But I think Jake Gyllenhaal, exactly. Uh, it also, Jared Leto doesn't give me military vibes. Right. Jake Gyllenhaal has played military people yeah in plenty of stuff so i can still feel he could be a commander yeah and, and all right i'll jump into my pick so i initially my first thought was like oh gary Busey went crazy i'll just go with shia labeouf oh yeah. shia labeouf <laughs> would not take this no would not take the comedic part serious enough like he considers himself too serious of an actor i think at this point to have yeah. wanted to do something like this so i was like okay i can't use him so i'm gonna pick somebody else who you know i i can believe as a bad guy because he's played bad guys before maybe not quite in a scenario such as this but he has played kind of the antagonist before also he's known for being kind of goofy and mm. and fun on set and, and i love his character i went with anthony mackie okay i like him i have met him one time okay yeah i'd like to see him i don't you see him as such the he's such a relatable good guy yeah i'd like to see him lean into be, be able to have a role to lean into some of that crazy and lean into some of the bad i really only know that the one antagonistic role that he's 
The only one I know of is when he was in Eight Mile. Oh, okay. You know, I still I have not seen Eight Mile. Okay. Well, he so. basically plays the antagonist to Eminem in, in that one. And, you know, he does a good job, but it's not at all an action film, so it's not the mm-hmm. same. Um, yeah, yeah. But he just seems like he, he would have fun with this role. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think he's done military stuff before, and he, I agree. It'd be fun to see him do that. Yeah. Uh, okay, William Stranix. So here, Adam, is where I made a change. Mm. I made Stranix a woman. Okay. Uh, my William Stranix will be Billy Stranix. I'll spell B-I-L-I-E, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I immediately thought, I was like, okay, Tommy Jones did great. So you're asking a lot of an actor to really load up to this. So I was like, okay, let's make some changes so it, so it doesn't seem like it's going to be so much of a one-to-one. You know, I was like, oh, you're just copying Tommy Lee. So I was like, all right, who is somebody who can do action and is relatively tall in comparison to who I picked for my Ryback, because the guy who I picked for my Ryback is pretty tall, and she's a badass through and through, and I think she would have fun with the crazy part of Stranix. I went with Charlize Theron. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and she has done tons of great action. She definitely has good presence in her action movies as mm-hmm. well. I could see her. It'd be fun to see her leading a bad a bad team like that and kind of leading to that crazy stuff. Yeah, I like that call. Right, cool. Definitely like that call. All right, who did you pick? Uh, so, so the person who I put down for Stranix was someone who I immediately, or first thought, I was like, oh, I think I want you as my Casey, Casey Ryback. But then I remembered Casey Ryback has to be, um, he's still in the military. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I've ever seen this guy clean shaven. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to, I still want him to look. Because he looks kind of rocker-esque. And Stranix comes in as a rocker right. vibe. So... I this guy I think I've never seen him in a in a really an evil role like a bad he's always even though he's played jerks before or kind of I don't know other stuff before or like uh, he's in the Game of Thrones also in Game of Thrones where he played a leader of kind of almost a savagey type of people um, but he's since then he's kind of been superheroes and heroic roles I think he could turn on the crazy and turn on the rocker vibes and i'd love to see him in more action stuff i went with jason momoa as my william stranix okay that's an interesting call um did you see dune i've never seen dune the the new one he's clean shaven in that oh okay does he look okay it's clean shaven yeah i mean it it doesn't it doesn't look exactly like him because it's it's jason momoa and we're constantly used to seeing him with the the facial hair and whatnot Okay, um, but it, it, yeah, it's him. Oh yeah, I, I like him with the beard. I, I don't want to. Nope, I don't like him. I'm looking at pictures right now. Nope, nope, nope. nope. I want the beard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fine. All right. Yeah. All right, Casey Ryback. Yeah. Who did you pick for your Casey Ryback? I had a big old list of people. Yeah. I had really struggled with this one, <sighs> and and there's. Some guys who have done very similar type of movies who would do a good job, but they're a little bit older than I want. Like case. So Steven Seagal was 40 in this one. And that's really not that that's not, you know, there's some of these guys who I think would do great. And maybe you picked them. I don't know. Cough, Keanu Reeves, cough, Jason Statham. But they've done movies like this before. Right. And I'm like, if they do that, this is just another carbon copy from what they've done already, which was copies from this which was a copy from Die Hard but 
So I wanted a different guy who I really actively want to see more in leading action roles. He's like 34 or 35 right now, which isn't terribly far off from 40. Um, but he looks he looks like he can still play 20s. And so maybe that's a problem, but maybe just don't put as much makeup on him or something. I don't know. He can have some of that sass because we saw it in the movie that he led in the MCU. And he'll absolutely do great with the action because he did in the MCU movie that we saw. One of the better martial arts actions that we saw. I think he's a fun leading guy right now that I just want to see more of. I want to see Simu Liu as my Casey Ryback. That's a really good call. I like okay. that a lot. Uh, he's got the action talent to be believable. Um, he's got the leading man presence. And he, you know, uh, aside from, you know, Seagal, he actually has personality. So <laughs> Yes, he does have personality. So I think that's a really, really good call. Okay. Um, you are not going to like my pick for Ryback. Okay. Um, Taylor Swift? No, but did you hear the rumor that she might actually be cast in the new Deadpool movie? No, I didn't. As a character called Why? the Dazzler, which was which is like a oh, I know, yeah, Dazzler's like so like she like, uh, Dazzler uses like yeah. music, Spar- yeah, 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 yeah. Now, yeah. if it's the Deadpool movie, if it's if yeah. it actually is the Deadpool kills the the Marvel universe, I kind of allow it, yeah, because it's probably just going to be a very quick cameo or maybe she dies or something like that. Sure, so that's fine. Um, uh, Man, how, her fans would go nuts if she died on I, screen. I mean, you know, why, why not? Uh, why not get some of that Swifty money uh, in your film <laughs> yeah. if you can get get the get all the Swifters there? They'll be there yeah. just for the one scene, and that's fine. They had to pay to get in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam, you are not going to like my pick uh, because you just said that you don't like him clean shaven. I picked Jason <laughs> Momoa as my Casey Ryback. And I told you, man, he was the first person I, I kind of really thought that I really liked in that role. And I do really like him in the role, but it was just the picture of him that just felt like not him. Right. Even. Uh, but I, I, my first thought was actually like Chris Pratt, because okay. like Ryback is a little wry a little bit, yeah. but he's everything is delivered straight, kind of. Yeah. And I think Jason Momoa... Can do that, but give it a little bit more personality. Also, I didn't want to just use Chris Pratt because I felt it was too obvious. Um, okay, and I, you know, I mean, you could, you, could, uh, you know, I immediately actually was like, "This is something the Rock would do," but I'm kind of sick of seeing the Rock, and sick of like rock. all of the Chris's could probably do this, but it kind of doesn't. Yeah. But like someone who's kind of anti-authority almost, aside from the captain, Jason Momoa really fits that to me. Yes, so I have, and, and that's and he's got the seal build, so. Yeah, he does. I was I kind of went through all that stuff. Like I said, I thought of like the Keanu and the Jasons, but they're a little bit older and they've right. done this before. Yeah. And then I thought of like, okay, the Chris's, I have both Chris's written down or I have Chris Evans and Chris Pine and Bradley Cooper. And I'm like, but I've seen like this kind of stuff before. I want something different. And Jason Momoa does bring something different to it. I, it was, I couldn't get past, I wanted him with the beard and he has rocker vibes. So I switched him to Stranix, right. but I think it's great. I think it's a great, really good call. Okay. And if I can get over seeing him <laughs> clean, shaven. Know, clean shaven, I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are, they have actually recently, there have been looser rules for special forces guys for whether they wear beards. Mm. However, he's going to play a cook that is clearly going to be clean shaven because you have to do yeah. that. The other thing, and we never pointed this out, this is like one of the only movies that Seagal was in uh, where you don't see his sort of signature ponytail um, because ah, at the time, right. the hairstyles could not, you couldn't have long, hair longer than four inches, so sure. they had to uh, cut his ponytail off. Maybe we can convince Jason Momoa to cut his hair for this. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be a very different I feel, mean, but he, he, has, he has all the vibes and all of like the 
the talent of what I want for a, a different Casey Ryback. So very good call, John. Okay. Uh, I think we came up with some pretty solid castings for this one, to be honest with you. I think it was really good. Absolutely. All right, folks. That was our recasting of Under Siege. Please join us next time as we are joined by our cousin-in-law, Tony Ross, and his son, Ethan, as we go through all of our top 10 tool songs. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs>